Mark 9.14 And when He came to His disciples, He saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld Him, were greatly amazed and running to Him, saluted Him. And He asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought my, unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, or wastes away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it since, since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now, we've heard that story before. I want to read the last portion of this from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. I'll go ahead and read it, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you should say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Amazing, isn't it? It's an amazing story. It's an amazing God we serve and gospel and how He empowers men, saves men, and empowers us to live for Him. They're asking Him a specific question. I guess I would have asked that question too. Because you know, even before this, in Matthew 10, the first little trial run, if you want to call it that, Jesus sent out 70 disciples two by two and He gave them power over unclean spirits and so forth to cast them out and to, to preach the gospel in His name and so forth, and heal the sick. They came back rejoicing that the devils were subject to them in the name of Jesus, right? But here, uh, there was a failure on their part to cast out the demon out of the demon-possessed son. It was, it was severe. You know, it was, he was wasting away. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. He was destroying the life of this man's son. And so they asked him privately why Jesus had no problem. He cast him out. A deaf and dumb spirit come out and enter into him no more. The spirit left him. Okay? And his disciples said, why could we not cast him out? Two answers that when you compare these two accounts in Matthew and in uh, in Mark. First he said, because of your unbelief. Fasting has been called by scholars 
the cure for unbelief. I've never really thought of it that way, but as I studied, I began to see it that way. Fasting has been called the cure for unbelief. He said, because of your unbelief. And he tells them about the grain of mustard seed, right? If you had the faith of the grain of mustard seed. But then he goes on to say, first of all, because of your unbelief. Second of all, this, albeit this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. And I'm not going to stand up here before you and say that I perfectly understand all of this, but I can go with what I know and what the Lord is teaching me and it taught me. Amen? And it is this. If an individual believer, I'm talking about to Christians this morning, you're truly born again, is going to undertake to live the life that God's called us to. And I'm specifically speaking the life, uh, the Spirit-filled life of a of uh, someone that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay? In Mark 16, 17 and 18, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. And he starts listing these things. They'll cast out devils. That's the first thing he says. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then he goes on to give the great commission about going out and preaching this gospel to all creatures. If you and I are going to undertake to live that life, we have to be born again. Okay, that's for believers. We have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We have to live a life of faith. And that's what Jesus is talking about in the two passages that we opened with, with the demon-possessed boy. A life of faith, a life in the Spirit. And I am learning from this, and you might be way ahead of me. Okay? But that there, there is, it needs to be a life of prayer and fasting. If I'm going to undertake to live the life God's called me to do, to live, and to do these miracles and things, it's going to have to entail faith and a Spirit-filled life and a life of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And the Lord is teaching us, and we're going to look at a lot of Scriptures this morning, so this is almost like a preaching teaching. This would be a great one to take notes for. If nothing else, just the Scriptures that you can go back and look at. But the Lord's telling us, and He's telling His disciples that, that this life of prayer and fasting, it ought to be common for a disciple of Jesus Christ. It ought to be common. Okay, So we might ask, okay, well, how long do I pray and fast? These are the questions right off the bat I would ask. Well, how long do I pray and fast? Moses fasted 40 days and nights twice up on the mountain, right? Uh, how long do I pray and fast? How often do I pray and fast? How, how much prayer and fasting are needed to cast out a devil? Or to cast out that devil? And I, this is just me, in my mind, how I think. Because uh, it's almost like if I, if I go to a doctor and like uh, tore my Achilles a couple of years ago, and they say, after the surgery, rest it for this many days, and then start therapy, and then do this on your own. I said, you better tell me exactly what you want me to do, because I'm going to do it. You know, I want to get over this thing as quick as possible. I'm going to be a good patient. But don't just say, go home and do some stretching, or put some ice on it. How often do I put ice? How long? How many days? You've got to be specific with me. If I'm going to... And so I'll ask, okay, I know I'm to pray and fast, teaches this if we just had that one scripture where Jesus said this this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting we would know that we need to do that right but I would say how often how much fasting and prayer is needed to cast out a devil or to heal someone or to to do uh, some some miracle that you've said that your people are going to do in your name 
And the scripture doesn't give us that. The scripture doesn't tell us that. You won't find anywhere in the 66 books of the Bible exactly how long the, the average believer is to pray and to fast. How often, how long. It's almost like communion in a sense. The, the Bible doesn't tell us how often to take communion, does it? It says as often as you do, do it in remembrance of me. And they continued steadfastly and they, the breaking of bread and so forth. But we don't know how often is it every single day? And so we can start zeroing in on, on some biblical principles. We're not just totally left to our own. We have a lot of scriptures. So what we do know, and I will stay with what we do know, it doesn't tell me exactly how often to fast, how long to fast. But we do see, see that it, it is to be a practice. It is to be a discipline or a practice of a disciple of Christ as a pattern in our walk with God. Not only on rare occasions. Okay? We call, the Lord has led this church to pray and fast starting tonight through Wednesday. And maybe, maybe there'll be other times. I'm sure there will be in the, in the future in the history of our church. But there are also times who will call us individually to do that. But we know that it's not just to be on rare occasions. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. We see it in the Gospels like we just read. We see it in the Epistles. I just want to read this Scripture from Joel 1.14. Sanctify ye a fast. Call a, call a solemn assembly. I kind of believe this is what the Lord has led us to do. Sanctify ye a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. So, there, there was a, a call for it and the, the Lord was leading to them to do in Joel's day. Now, I want to make a couple of points here right towards the beginning. When you see fasting in the Bible, you almost always see it accompanied with what? Prayer. That's very important. Very, very important. When we see fasting in the Bible, we almost always see it. I haven't checked every single time. So I'm going to say almost always see it accompanied by prayer. We don't every time we see prayer, every single time accompanied with fasting. So I think there's something we can learn from that. In other words, the scripture clearly teaches us about our prayer lives as believers. It says that men ought always to pray and not to faint, right? So if you said, how often do I pray? All the time. Pray all the time. Pray when you wake up in the morning. Pray when you're driving in the car. Pray when you're about to walk into an interview. Pray when you're about to take a test. Thank the Lord when you're through taking the test. You know, pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Lord, the Lord said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. It, it, prayer ought to be, uh, some people say it's like the breath of the Christian. It's just, you're, you can't live without breathing. And you couldn't be a true walk, uh, follower of Christ and not live in prayer. A couple of scriptures just real quickly. When Peter was in prison uh, in Acts chapter 12, it says, therefore he was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So we know where to pray all the time. All the time. I forgot, it was one, this isn't everybody's prayer life. I forgot who it was. One of the old saints of God, I've read their books. They said, I've never prayed for more than five minutes at a time, but I've never gone longer than five minutes without praying. So he was just, he's just saying he prayed all the time. All the time. And in, in Acts chapter 2, the early church, they continued steadfastly 
in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So what's the point of this? My point here is that Scripture clearly teaches that men ought always to pray. But the Bible doesn't say men ought always to fast, literally. You know what I'm saying? Like literally, we don't fast without ceasing. Like we are to pray without ceasing. We do know that we are to fast. We ought to have a discipline and a practice and a habit, I guess you would say, of fasting. But we don't have to fast every time we pray. But we do have to pray every time we fast. So I just want to sum it up like that before we move on. So we're having a time of prayer and fasting in our church starting tonight. And we ought to, that the, the fasting on its, by, by itself is of, of no value. Okay? Just fasting to fast. And I want to read this from Luke 2.37. We know about Anna, this widow, waiting for the, the Lord to come. And she was a widow of about four score and four years, and which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. You always see them linked together. Fasting is going to be linked with prayer. Every time you pray, though, you don't have to fast. But when we fast, pray. Whether God calls you individually or us as a church body, we're going to pray as we fast. Simply abstaining from food for a period of time without seeking God, without seeking the face of Almighty God, is of no spiritual benefit. I'm going to say it again. Simply abstaining from food for a period of time without seeking the face of God in prayer, is of no spiritual benefit. It's not what God requires. It's not what He's called us to do. Uh, David told Solomon right before David died and was turning the kingdom over to, to Solomon, he said, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. That's the key. That's even the key to fasting. That in fasting, I'm setting my heart and soul to seek the Lord my God. I'm setting it. And so, uh, when we fast... We need to fast as unto the Lord. That's another thing. This is, to me, another principle. I wasn't going to any book or anything like this. It's just me praying in the Bible and studying and what God began to give me. If, if we pray, fast, we need to fast as unto the Lord. We don't just do it because my pastor said so. You know, there's a position of authority where, where the Lord would use me to, to speak to our church and call us to a fast. And I pray you would walk in that. But individually... We have to take ownership of that and do it as unto God. I won't be watching to see how you fast. You won't be watching me to see how I fast and pray over the next few days. We have to do it as unto the Lord. And Paul says in Colossians, whatsoever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord, not as unto men. Uh, knowing of the Lord, you shall receive your reward, for we serve the Lord Christ. So, whatever, including fasting, whatever you do, do it heartily, if we're going to fast, do it heartily. It's not an easy thing. That's why it's a discipline. Okay? If you're going to fast, do it as unto the Lord, not as unto men, for you serve the Lord Christ. If you and I fast, when you and I fast, we must do it and be personally convinced and con of the Lord that this is something He's directed me to do, that this is of God. This is biblical and so forth. And this is what he's leading me to do right now. This is his will for my life. And the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. So think about that. If we're just doing it, oh, I guess i got to go fast now. Just stop. Okay? 
Just stop right there. Because uh, whatever is not of faith is sin. We have to do it as unto the Lord. So I want to I look at this for just, uh, just a moment. Look at a couple of Scriptures with me. Turn to Matthew, if you're still in Matthew, chapter 6. Now we know this part of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus gives a little passage here, or teaching on, on fasting. So look at Matthew 6.16. Moreover, when you fast, He doesn't say if, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of, of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So, uh, there's another Scripture. If you're taking notes, just write this down. Zechariah 7.5 Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months, even those seventy years, did ye at all fast unto me, even unto me? It was a rebuke. Because he, he was telling them, rebuking them, that they, yeah, they, they kept a fast. They kept the Jewish people fasted in the fifth and seventh months and, and all these different times through that 70-year period. But he says, did you really do it as unto me? Everything we do in our Christian life, y'all teaching the children Sunday school class, going to Foxy's on Thursdays, teaching Sunday school, everything we do, training up our children in the ways of God, it all has to be unto the Lord. So when we fast, don't put that on some different level. We do that as unto the Lord as well. So what is, uh, what is fasting in the biblical sense? What is the purpose of biblical fasting? I think we ought to know that. You probably could teach this to me. But I'm going to give the definition from the Scriptures. First of all, when you look up, see the word fast or fasting in the Bible, it, the definition is this, abstinence. From lack of food, voluntarily or religious, to abstain from food. So, during a fast, you and I may also, and the people of God may also abstain from other things as well. But, the primary teaching here, without question, is food. I'm just going to let that sink in because I might not have always done the best job of communicating that. When we pray and fast, the fasting aspect is an abstinence from food. We may abstain from other things as well. TV, reading the newspaper, uh, social media, you know what I'm saying? Uh, things like that. We may, and I would say, probably should. I think God will direct us We'll find ourselves doing that when we fast unto the Lord. But the whole idea behind fasting is an abstinence from food. Now I want to try to clear up this in one sense because there is a scripture and I'll just read this from Daniel 10.3 if you're taking notes. Daniel was, um, God was giving him these visions and revelations and sometimes he had the, the answer and sometimes he was praying to understand the interpretation of the vision that he saw and so forth and he was praying and fasting. He says, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I... He doesn't use the word fasting, but he says, I ate no bread. He's seeking God. He set everything else aside. He's seeking the Lord. 
as to an interpretation or an answer from the Lord about these the visions that he's seen. Ate no pleasant bread, neither flesh nor wine came into my mouth, neither did, did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were, were fulfilled. So I looked up pleasant bread. What was pleasant bread? It means delectable or goodly. So in that sense, maybe he did eat something. Maybe he, he lived on bare necessities. You see what I'm saying? I'm not going to tell you that. I, I mean, that's a scripture from the Bible. Ain't no pleasant bread. And you know, when I looked it up, it means delectable or goodly. And so maybe he ate whatever to, to get by. He didn't sit down at a big meal with the whole, the whole thing. I don't, I don't know specifically, but still the idea, between, the idea behind fasting is abstinence from food. Okay? Abstinence from food. To what extent, God will have to show us. We know a fast is a fast where, where people don't eat anything as well. And that could be very well what the Lord is saying. But we know that our Lord fasted and He prayed. Okay, he was able to cast the demon out. And he said this kind of only comes out by prayer and fasting. Um, and we know that it was a practice of his life. That he was up early in the morning praying. I believe there were times he fasted. And I'm going to give an example. And the Bible doesn't say here that this was a fast. But I think to me it's an example of our Lord fasting. You know when he was with the woman at the well in Samaria. It was lunchtime. It was the middle of the day. And they had traveled to Samaria. So his, he sat down by the well because he had a mission from his father to minister to this woman. Their eyes would be open as to him being the Messiah and believe upon him. And then she was going to actually round up town people, townspeople at the end of that, that encounter and bring them to the Lord. While, while he was doing that, the disciples were out looking for food for lunch. Okay, they went out to find food. And when they come back, they see Jesus and and they said the first thing they were first thing they wondered, what is he doing talking to a Samaritan woman, first of all? And second thing they said is, Master, eat. We got some food, Master, eat this. And he says, uh, he says, I my meat is is to uh, he goes, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And again, I'm not saying that this is strictly fasting, but to me it pictures fast. He didn't eat. He was talking to the woman. He was doing the will of his father. And they were thinking about physical food. And he was saying, uh, I have meat to eat that you don't know of. And then they asked, has anybody brought him something to eat? They literally said, did somebody bring him a meal while we were gone? And he says, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. So how am I relating this to fasting? In this sense, He had foregone lunch for something far greater. You know, it was just maybe that meal. The disciples' minds were thinking, it's lunchtime. Ding, ding, the dinner bell rang. We've got to eat. got to give the Lord something to eat. And it was not that He never ate. We know that He ate. But... Something always took pre preeminence over that. And he said, this is my meat. To, I have meat to eat you don't know of. And my meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish my father's will. And so this, this to me is like a heart, the heart of fasting. 
something taking precedent over the carnal. Okay? Turn with me and read in your, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. We don't have time to read the whole passage, but we know this story. Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. He's been hailed as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Holy Spirit descends upon Him in the form of a dove and abides upon Him and remains upon Him. And the voice from heaven says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Then it says immediately, chapter 4, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, He was afterwards a hungered or hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. All right, we're going to stop right there. We know this, this passage. It's in other Gospels as well. But what, what do we see from this? A couple of things I see. First of all, the Holy Ghost led him into the wilderness. So the Holy Ghost was leading him into the wilderness to be tempted. But before he was tempted... It was necessary for him. It was God's way. Okay, let's put it that way. It was God's way for Jesus to fast and pray. So, we can't think of a clearer picture than this. The Holy Ghost led him. He's getting ready to be tempted by the devil. And then after the, immediately after the temptation of the devil, he's going to, uh, he's going to return and actually start his public ministry. It's like kicks off the run it after this. This was necessary first. And before the temptation, before the public ministry, he was led to pray and fast 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible doesn't command every believer to pray 40 days and 40 nights. It does teach us that we ought to pray and fast. The Bible teaches us that. And so it, we know that it had to do with food because afterwards he was hungry. So it wasn't, it wasn't just fasting from TV. Okay? He was fasting from food. And he was hungry. And the first temptation that Satan brought to him dealt with his physical appetite, right? He's hungry. I know he's been hungry. He's fasted 40 days and nights. I'm going to come to him and tempt him there. I'm going to tempt him in that. Not a sinful thing, but a carnal thing. If you're the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And you'll have plenty, the plenty of stones around here, you'll have plenty to eat. Satan, uh, Jesus did not heed the devil. He did not command the stones to be made bread. He answered him with the word of God three times in three temptations. And it was a defeat. It was the sword of the spirit. It was a blow to him every time. When we use the word of God back in Satan's face and say, thus saith the Lord every single time, even if we feel very weak, God's not weak. He's mighty. And when we use it back upon him, it will... It is a blow to him every time. A significant blow to him. And so he ended up believing him after the three, the three temptations. But we know Jesus fasted. We know it was food. We know that uh, because it says he was hungry, we know he did it as unto his Father. And guess what was wonderful? At the end of that little passage in that account uh, in verse 11, and the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So you know what I see about his fast here? He was strengthened by it. Physically, he might have been weak. Probably was. He was hungry. And, but spiritually, it was a strength. And it's a picture to us. To defeat Satan, 
to stand against the wiles of the devil and all his schemes. And when he waited on God, his father, his father came and ministered to him in the nick of time. His father came and ministered to him completely. In other words, he, he resisted turning those stones to bread just, oh, I'm so hungry, I just got to eat. He waited. He waited for the provision of his father. So here's, here's part of the fasting as well. And God brought a glorious end to it. It seemed like a simple thing. The devil left him, hallelujah, and angels came and ministered time unto him. I'm sure they brought him food. You know, understand what I'm saying? They, they came and ministered unto him. And so, uh, the Bible teaches us to fast, but what, what is really the purpose of it? I know medically people can fast, right? It can be used for medical purposes. You fast and have some benefits to it there. But biblically speaking, what's the purpose? What's it for? And is it merely, and I would say it's not, don't let it be. Is it merely a religious exercise where you're like just going through the motions? So many things in, in Christianity can become that. Almost like uh, people of different faiths uh, crawling on their knees on, on rocks thinking that their suffering is going to, to help them somehow or literally carrying a heavy wooden cross on an open wound or something thinking that this is going to help them in their walk with God their nearness to God or pay for some of their sins don't ever let it be that don't let fast be that fasting is choosing it's a voluntary thing in accordance to the word of God uh, and it's foregoing to this is how I summarize the best maybe I've heard this this explanation in the past but I've hung on to it Forgoing the carnal blessing for the spiritual. So just, it's not a, that's not a definition of fasting, but an explanation. Forgoing the carnal blessing, which in this case would be food, right? Or pleasant bread. For the spiritual. Just like Jesus in the wilderness. Fasting serves to take our eyes off the things of the world. It does. It really does. It, it serves to take our eyes off the things of this world in order to focus completely upon God. It does serve to strengthen our faith. Anytime you're setting yourself apart to the Lord like that, even abstaining from food for a period of time, our faith is going to be strengthened as we seek God. He's going to reveal Himself to us. He's going to speak to us. And when He does, we're going to be strengthened. I remember there's a scripture in Daniel when he was weak because of the vision he had seen, he had no strength left in him. And the angel came and spoke to him and he says, when he spoke unto me, I was strengthened. And when we get in the presence of God, even though we've been fasting and we might be weaker physically than we normally would be, God's going to meet with us and he is going to strengthen us and we're going to say, wow, this is better than a cheeseburger. This is the Lord helping me. I'm not going to die. Okay? Not, we're not going on a hunger strike where we just don't ever eat again, we're fasting as unto the Lord. He will give us the strength. Will it, will it be difficult at times? Yes, I believe it will be. But He's going to strengthen us. And it, it, serves, to, uh, it serves to show humility on our part as well. That we're humbling ourselves before God. That shows a seriousness on the part of the seeker, you and me. A seriousness and a sobriety or soberness that... I'm serious about seeking God. You know, we were praying for my, my country, but 
God's called me to pray and fast for our country. I'm getting serious about this thing. God has ramped it up, so to speak. He's going to answer that. There'll be a benefit on the backside of that by my faith being strengthened, right? By me seeing clearly maybe a vision of the the Lord, what He has, has for me to do in this hour. But it does. The fasting shows a seriousness on the part of the seeker that we're, we're setting other things aside. And as I said, we're foregoing the carnal, not necessarily sinful, but we're foregoing the carnal in order to fully seek God. Again, I'll say it again, that, that fasting is much more than denying ourselves food. We have to seek His face. We deny ourselves food, that's part of it, but it's part of the turning aside to the Lord. It's kind of like if... Uh, your favorite thing in the world, you know, is is going to play golf or going to do this or that or watch football games. Or when I was a kid, you know, uh, if there was a big game of of pickup football or something going on in the neighborhood, everybody was playing. I, that's I'm finish eating or whatever, and get out there and do that. That's what I, I just was dying to go be part of that. And we're foregoing that because there's something even more valuable. In this case, it's food. I'm setting this aside. I'm not saying, poor me. Look what I have to do. I've got to forego dessert tonight. Uh, we're setting, setting it aside for the purpose of setting aside the, the, the temporal blessing for the eternal blessing. And just simply abstaining from food without seeking His face is, is of no value. I said it before. I want to read this from Nehemiah. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down. When Nehemiah got word of how uh, Jerusalem was laying in reproach and the walls were unbuilt and so forth, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Wept, mourned, fasted, and prayed. When he heard the news, he knew something had to be done. Somebody's got to step up to the plate and know what the heart of God is and be part of the solution to it. And in so doing, he wept, he prayed, I mean, wept and mourned, fasted and prayed. Some certain days. It doesn't even tell us how many. Because I don't, he don't, I don't think the Lord wants us to link onto it like a formula. But we do see a habit and a pattern of the people of God of prayer and fasting. I want to talk about a couple of things that fasting is not. Fasting is not a punishment. Don't look at it as a punishment. It's not a punishment from God. It's not even a punishment, so to speak, to the flesh. Like we're going to beat ourselves on the back with whips until we bleed. It's not. Fasting is not a punishment to the flesh. Fasting is not to make us appear more spiritual to others. To our church folks or to lost folks. It's not not intended for that. We read that in Matthew. Fasting is not intended, intended, this is a big one, to manipulate God into doing what we want. I'll say it again. Fasting is not not a manipulation of God to get Him to do what we want. In other words, I'm fasting, God. You have to do what I want. Look, I'm fasting. Look, I haven't eaten for seven days. You have to do what I want. He's not going to be manipulated. God is not indebted to you and I because we skip food. He's not indebted to us because we abstain from food for a certain period of time. 
And it is not intended to make us look more spiritual, anything like that. Fasting, the practice of fasting, teaches us that indeed, man shall not live by bread alone. That's what Jesus told Satan when he told him to turn the stones to bread. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So fasting is almost a real life example of that. You know what? I used to tell our boys that. And I'd have to tell myself the same thing. But when they were little growing up, uh, did, you, did you pray to get yet today? And almost always they did. Praise God. But if they hadn't, I would say, and it was supper time, I said, go, go pray for a little while. Talk to Jesus for a little while. Because it's more important that you pray than that you eat supper. To, to learn that. They're not going to die. You see, we're skipping the meal. We think we are. But it's teaching us that there's something of more value. Man shall not live by bread alone. Let's say you don't have bread. We're not to live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There are fasts that are done. They're not unto the Lord. There was a Pharisee and publican went to pray and Jesus watched them in the temple. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The Pharisee said. He's telling God, like you ought to give me what I want, right? I fast twice a week. That's more than most of us do. I don't know if the publican did that. But the point was, he didn't do it as unto the Lord. It wasn't at all with a pure heart. In Jeremiah 14, 12, when, I, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. The Lord says, when they offer burnt offerings and oblation, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword and by the famine and the pestilence. Because they were so wicked. And uh, even if they did their little ritualistic fast, he wasn't going to be heard of them. He wasn't going to be entreated of them to help them. So it doesn't manipulate God. One more passage from Isaiah 58. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Where have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Jesus, the Lord says, Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for man, a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Would thou call this a fast and an acceptable day unto the Lord? What was the deal? They were hypocritical. If we had time to read the whole passage, they were murderers, they were serving idols, they were oppressing the poor, but it was time to fast. They would do their fasting and say, God's got to bless us. Not going to happen. He's not going to happen. That's not the fast that the Lord has called us to. Amen? Or the one that He accepts. So just real quickly, uh, it, it's teaching us something very valuable. And I guess if there's one thing I want to learn from this whole thing is... It has to be as in unto the Lord, okay? It has to be by faith that I really, Lord, I'm doing this. And I'm doing it not just because my pastor said I'm doing it because my pastor said, but I've, I believe it. It's of God, myself. We do it as unto God. But that also, it's teaching us that men, different than anything else in creation, we don't have to be governed by our physical bodies, People commit uh, fornication because they're governed by their, their uh, physical bodies. They bow down to it, so to speak. They're prisoners to it. They're in subjection to their physical bodies. People overeat at times because they're, they're subject to their appetites. And fasting is a way to say, no, the man of God is not to be ruled by his physical appetites. Those are blessings from God. 
There are blessings from God. A nice meal is a blessing from God. Enjoy it. Give thanks. Eat it and enjoy it. A good night's sleep is a blessing from God. But I'm not going to live in my bed and never get up in the morning. You understand my point? Those men, men are not to be governed by those physical appetites. We have to, that spiritual man has to be built up and strong. And when anything comes that wants to take authority over the spiritual man, that it is, no, it's going to be brought subjection. I'm starving right now. You know, I could eat a cow, you know, right now. I'm so hungry. But I'm bringing that under subjection. My father hasn't ended my fast yet. He's going to minister to me. He's going to strengthen me. He's going to help me. We could say the same for sleep and for, for other things, but it's, it's a wonderful picture. You just think about that. The man of God is not going to be governed by his physical appetites. I'm not saying sinful. That's, we know that that's off limits. A man of God is not going to be governed by his physical appetites, the carnal things. We have them to enjoy from the Lord that I'm not subject to them. I don't live for the belly. Meat's for the belly and the belly's for meat. But Paul says, I'm not going to be brought under the authority of any of that stuff. I'll have it when I, when I need it. I'll have it when God gives it to me. I'll receive whatever I eat with thanksgiving. But I'm not governed by my belly. It's where I would forsake God. I don't have a lot of food, so I'm going to go steal from somebody to buy food. And I've forsaken God. You understand my point? It, uh, is, being hungry is not an excuse to steal. Or, or so forth. It's just showing that the, the uh, this spiritual man is not to be governed by that. Now, and I know, uh, just real quickly, y'all, I want to I want to make a couple more points here. We see fasting for specific purposes in the Bible, and we see it for just in general purposes as a practice. And I'm going to just look at some of these real quickly and some of the results from it. But David had a, a, a child through Bathsheba, and. And we read about it. If you want to read it sometime, 2 Samuel chapter 12, 21 and 22. And so he was fasting for a specific reason because the child that had just been born through Bathsheba was sick and dying. So he went to the temple and fasted and he prayed that the, that the Lord may live, let, it, let the child live. The child died. Okay, but he was fasting for a specific reason. And so it was a specific person. We saw the whole nation of Israel in Esther's day prayed. Esther says, I just want to read this one. Um, 4.16, Go gather together all the Jews, she tells Mordecai, her uncle, that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days nor three nights. And I also my maidens will fast likewise, so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. Isn't that wonderful? She's saying, look, this is serious times. I'm sure she had a prayer life. But at this time, call everybody you know. Our whole nation is going to perish if we're not delivered. Mordecai told her that. And she, she says, well, I'm going to go in and make petition before the king. Call a solemn fast. Don't eat or drink three days and nights. And if I die, I die. Well, the nation was spared. Hallelujah. But the point was those were specific for specific uh, things Ezra called a fast in his day when they were rebuilding the temple in the city after the walls were rebuilt. And he, he was praying for guidance and provision for the Lord. 
If you want to read it sometimes, Ezra 8, 21 and 23. It's wonderful. He says they fasted and prayed that God would give them guidance. Show us in our little ones too, he says, what to do for such a big undertaking and make all the provisions needed so that we don't have to go begging the heathen for help. God's going to provide for us. But they fasted and prayed. Specific things. Alright, as a general practice, and we just don't have time to read all of this, but Paul said that uh, when he was talking about his life and his testimony for Christ, he said it in 2 Corinthians 6-5, in stripes, imprisonments, and tumults, and labors, and watchings, and fastings. This was a practice. He was describing his life. He was, he was persecuted, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten this many times, continuing in prayer and in fastings. You see the point? It was a general, I think it was just part of his lifestyle to pray and fast. And, and we see it all through the, uh, through the Scriptures that this was a regular practice. And there was a day of fasting when the Jews were to, supposed to fast. There was general practices. And, and I want to close with this thought. What's the, what are some of the results of it? In other words, what God's not indebted to us. We're not twisting His arm. Look, I prayed an extra day. I was only going to do four and I've done five now. So we're twisting His arm. You've got to answer my prayer now. It's not that. God responds because He's a good God. God always responds to true faith, doesn't He? He'll always, always, always respond to true faith. And in fasting and getting serious, it's like we're rolling up our spiritual sleeves. And we're saying, God, I'm setting everything aside. For this time frame, I'm setting everything aside to seek your face. He will always meet us there. He will always respond to that. He, he chooses to. It's not that we twisted his arm. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be open. Well, this is knocking. Praying and fasting is seeking and knocking. Okay? And asking. In Esther's day, the nation was spared. I'm looking at some results of the prayer and the fasting. But it's because God, because God chose to respond to that. He, his people got serious about seeking Him. And He was serious about saving them. He responded to that. He didn't have to. He does. He always does respond to true faith. There's so many examples. When the church in Antioch had prayed and fasted, the Lord Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work that I've called them to do. And it says they prayed and fasted and laid their hands on them and sent them out. There was results from their prayer and fasting. God spoke to that church and raised up two missionaries. Greatest missionary that ever lived. The Apostle Paul. There were results from it. Cornelius, who didn't even know Jesus. He sought God. He feared God. He prayed and fasted. And in his fasting, he said, I fasted up until now, Peter. I've been fasting since the day God told me to call for you to come and, and you got here. Good thing you came, he said. And, and Cornelius had his whole house packed like this with people, his friends, his family, his servants, his soldiers, and they all got saved when Peter brought the Gospel. So there's results, wonderful results from fasting and praying. We see it all through the Bible. Ahab was a wicked king. We know his wife was Jezebel. He was one of the worst of the worst. And God brought Elijah to speak to him and said, there's a judgment coming on you. And I'm paraphrasing all this for time's sake. And your descendants, your children, because of your wickedness, guess what Ahab did? He humbled himself. Genuinely. I'm not saying they got saved. 
He humbled Himself and fasted and prayed. And guess what God did? A merciful God. He didn't let Elijah go back and tell him this is not going to happen in his day. Is that not a merciful God? When I think about it, uh, Jonah goes and speaks to Nineveh. And I just want to read this. He goes his three days journey, one side to the other. If you just walk straight through, three days solid. Repent for the kingdom of repent. God's wrath's coming out uh, upon this city. Nineveh was like the world power in Assyria. It was the place, and they were full of wickedness. And what does the king of Nineveh do? Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast uh, be covered with sackcloth and cry unto God, capital G, the God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hand. Who can tell if God will turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented. He didn't repent of evil. He repented and changed his mind on what he intended to bring. The judgment. God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. Is that not a merciful God? It doesn't mean there was great revival or anything like that, but He did withhold the judgment that was going to be severe, at least at that time. Assyria would be judged many years later. So I'm closing with this. D, you can come up. Biblical fasting is not a punishment from the Lord to make our lives miserable. It is a godly discipline that's taught through the Scriptures. Okay? And it is us setting aside every distraction that clutters our world. And food can clutter our world as well. Okay? And for the sole purpose of seeking the Lord, one Bible scholar that I read said that fasting can be used to restore our first love. I didn't realize how much I love TV. Didn't realize how much I love food. Didn't re- but, but setting those things aside for the purpose of seeking God can help restore our first love. When we see the people of God in the, in the Bible, David, for example, he says he wept and fasted. He afflicted his souls. His soul, he humbled himself before God. You'll see that pattern if you just started Googling fasting in the Bible. and You're going to see it over and over and over. Humbled myself before the Lord and afflicted themselves. I'm closing with this Scripture, y'all. From Joel chapter 2. It's a wonderful passage. Y'all stand. I'm going to read it as we're standing. The altars are open. Therefore also now, saith the Lord, turn ye, every, turn ye even to Me with your whole heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments. And turn unto the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth Him of evil. The whole idea, he talks about weeping and mourning, but he talks about fasting, turning to the Lord with a whole heart. This has to be a practice of my life as a believer. There's something about it that God has given to His people. And I think, I think maybe, I can't speak for every church and every Christian, but maybe we have passed over that. Fasting and praying like that. I can't tell you how often to do it. I can't tell you how long to do it. I do do know it involves food, okay? But I absolutely know it involves setting our hearts to seek the Lord. Turn to the Lord 
with your whole heart. Our church is having a time of prayer and fasting starting tonight and, and through Wednesday night. I can't, nor do I choose to, to be your fasting police to see how you're doing. Okay? We have a conscience. We have the Holy Ghost. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Just do it unto, as unto God. Do it fully. Be fully persuaded yourself. Even when it gets hard. Okay? Do it as unto the Lord. Ask Him to strengthen you to do it. He'll do it. And seek God. I know you have work. I know you have school. We're not just going to sit around and pray for four days straight. But take time. Change your schedule. When you get home from work, before you go to work, at lunch, change your schedule. And take time where this is normally where I would do X, Y, and Z, but I'm doing one thing now. In this time, block of time, I'm turning to the Lord. I'm going to get my Bible. I'm going to go seek His face. I'm going to be, meet with the Lord. He is going to bless you. He is going to help you. It will be something you're glad that you did. It will be a discipline in our lives that we're strengthened. Come up here and pray. If your kids have homework, let them go do homework for part of the time or all the time in this middle room. But let's gather together for the next four nights straight and seek God. And come ready. Come ready. You can still pray for prayer requests. We can still read a psalm or whatever scripture God gives us. We can still stand up and say, I have an exhortation for the church. But this is just a time dedicated for our church body to do that. Amen. So, Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. God, I do not at all claim to be the expert on fasting. But I have learned. I've learned quite a bit just in the last couple of weeks studying this, Lord. And I pray that we as a church body would understand in our heart of hearts spiritually the purpose of fasting, the importance of fasting, the fast that pleases you and that, that you've called us to. And I pray we would participate in that. I pray we would be, become a people that will live with a practice and a discipline of prayer and fasting, God. I pray that you would help us and strengthen us to not be subject to our carnal and earthly appetites. To feed that spiritual man. Strengthen us, God. We need you. If you don't strengthen us, we can't do it. But we know that you will strengthen us, God. We're not doing you a favor by fasting. We do want to walk in obedience to you and pray and fast. I pray you bless these next several nights, God, and days as we dedicate that, this time to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.